Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church, where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. This message comes from our series, Represent. During this series, we learn how to represent God through our words and actions. Let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, Southcrest. How are you doing today? Good. Hey, I just want to take the moment to welcome you at both of our campuses, both here in Noonan and in LaGrange. We're so glad that you're here. We really are. And uh, because I'm the high school and college pastor, and because for some reason they gave me the microphone this morning, I want to go ahead and publicly acknowledge all of our high school and college leaders this morning. Can you give them a round of applause for their service today? You know who you are. You are my heroes. And for all of our students that are out there, I just want to say I'm really proud of you and I've grown in love with you over this past year because of the depth of the knowledge and your growth and maturity in Christ. You are reaching more high school students and more college students in our community than ever before. So I love you and I'm proud of you. So let's give them a round of applause. What I want to do this morning is first welcome, if this is your first time here at South Chris, I'm really glad that you're here. We really care about your experience today. Um, and, and for those of you that are, are seasoned veterans here today, my prayer for you is that you would walk away this morning with a deeper understanding of who Jesus is in your life and that the fact that he can set you free. This isn't just a message for somebody else. I, I believe that Jesus wants to speak to your heart this morning and he wants to set you free this morning. And so before we even start, let's go before the Lord in prayer and ask him to govern our time here. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you and we give you all the glory. Lord, remove from us ourselves so that we can see you clearer today, that we can love you stronger today, that we can take away what you want to teach to us that might change our lives forever. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, well, I hope you had a great 4th of July week. Who here went on vacation this past week? Anybody? Went away, out of town, whatnot? Okay, a bunch of y'all did. I did as well. I went to visit my family in Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, I'm sure on the way there, I saw many of you uh, driving your vehicles and hauling boats on your trailers and jet skis and in the back of your minivans, had all the inflatables and stuff for the kids. That was me and my kids, uh, we, we were that minivan for sure. And as, as we headed up uh, the road, I started to think, man, the 4th of July week is just one of my favorite weeks of the year. And uh, I say this because I've got such deep-seated memories um, of eating watermelon on the 4th of July. I know that's, some of y'all love that. Uh, one of the things I did as a kid was I ate bomb pops, you know, the red, white, and blue, like popsicles. Like that is a consistent memory in my mind. Uh, barbecue ribs. Uh, come on. God bless America. All right. Oh, let me some barbecue. Where, where are you, Blade? I don't know if Blade's here, but he loves him some barbecue too. I'm right where with you. Well, imagine with me this morning that it was the year 1776. And we, as colonial Americans, were celebrating our very first 4th of July. And, and it was the time where, where we had known oppression and, and we had known what it was like to be under the rule of Great Britain. And for the first time, 
with the first fireworks, we got to celebrate our independence. I believe that that very first 4th of July, the watermelon was even more sweet. I believe that the feasting was even more glorious. I believe that the laughter was even more contagious. They knew the joy of newfound freedom. You know, and as, as we were um, at my parents' house this past week, we were sitting there by the pool, and, and I was there with my brother and my sister. I got to visit them, and, and uh, my brother, let me, I'll just tell you a little bit about my brother. He loves fireworks or anything that you can catch on fire. And um, so his joy is to go out and stockpile a bunch of fireworks. He looks forward to that every year. And so as we were sitting poolside and he's lighting fireworks off and shooting them into the sky, I decided to give my four-year-old boy a history lesson. So I went on to tell him about uh, the 4th of July, what it meant, the fact that, that on that day in 1776, we declared our independence from Great uh, Britain and we were free now. And... Um, and all of a sudden I looked at Seth, and if, you, and if you know anything about Seth, you know this is odd. He was, he was silent. I kind of stumped him for a second, and, and he sat there and looked up at me, and then all of a sudden he says in his Seth voice, he goes, Dad, this is such great news. Like he had this enthusiasm about him that I would, it caught me off guard. I was like, yes, son, it is such great news. And he goes, now we can do whatever we want. <laughs> Freedom. Now we can do whatever we want. That statement for some reason hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and uh, I was trying to formulate the words, but I couldn't come up with a good retort to that statement. And uh, for a second I stopped and I said, yes, son. Now we can do whatever we want. That's real freedom, isn't it? Real freedom is the ability to do whatever we want, whenever we want. That's complete freedom. But we don't have complete freedom, though, do we? We submit to a series of laws. We abide by some regulations. I mean, I can't even put up a giant pink inflatable swimming pool in the front yard of my house because of the HOA. I don't understand it. But then I think about the people that live in my neighborhood, and I realize that without the HOA, it'd be a complete circus in there. So I'm thankful for them. And it got me to thinking, I was like, you know, to the extent that our governance, the people that are in charge of us are good, to that extent, we have no desire to go about seeking freedom from those governors. Does that make sense? We don't desire to seek freedom from them if they're good. I hope that you might realize this morning that I'm not here to make any sort of political statements on our cultural climate right now. You know where we're at. I'm here to advance a kingdom far greater than any man. A kingdom with a great governor. A kingdom offering freedom for every man, woman, and child the great problem this morning is that every single one of us have sought freedom from a different type of kingdom, a kingdom of this world. 
And the party line to this kingdom of this world reads, make yourself king. And it appeals to everybody. Who wouldn't want to be their own king? You see, our trust in this kingdom is in our own governance. Our pursuit is our own pleasure. Our currency is sin. It's a very sneaky kingdom because listen up, the harder you fight for your freedom in this kingdom, the deeper you fall into slavery. My belief this morning is that God wants to open us, open our eyes up to the faulty kingdom around us. I believe that God wants us to set people free from the bondage of sin. He doesn't want us to live in poverty. His kingdom knows no sickness and no sorrow. His desire is that we might have life and have it to the full. Here's the deal. We can't fight for a freedom that we don't know that we need. And I believe that there's a lot of us here not fighting for any sort of freedom because you just love the kingdom of this world. You don't feel like there's a freedom to fight for. And so you keep pursuing your greatest pleasures and falling deeper and deeper into the slavery of sin in the kingdom of this world and hoping that one day you might have enough or have built up enough or have achieved enough to buy your freedom, the freedom that you're trying to find in your own personal pursuits. It's not going to happen. Jesus tells us of a different way. You know, the life and the ministry of Jesus is both fascinating to me and amazing to me. He taught of a coming kingdom. He explained what it looked like. And then he went and displayed the power of the kingdom of God. This morning, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd ask you to turn with me to the book of Mark. Chapter 5. We're going to read this together, and we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 20. So follow along with me as we read the word of the Lord. They, talking about the disciples, went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Do you guys get the mental image? And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God. In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. 
The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw a man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people about what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him. But he said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Thank you for following along with me. I know that that's a lot to read, but that account is so crazy to me. And I think that if you're talking about the disciples, the people that were with Jesus, that experienced that happening, that must have been the craziest day of your life, of their life, I should say. If you go back in the, in the book of Matthew chapter 8, you you've read of a, another account by Matthew of the same occurrence. What you don't realize is that the, the past 24 hours of the disciples have been one of the craziest days. Jesus, that day before, had ministered to the people on the other side of the lake, probably the greatest that he's ever had of outpouring of healings, uh, healing the sick, uh, helping the blind people to see, the paralyzed to walk again. Jesus had this great outpouring of the kingdom of God. It was realized on that side of the lake and people were coming to freedom. And the disciples were there firsthand to be able to watch and to experience all that Jesus had done and who Jesus was. It was in this very same day that Jesus, after that time, when evening came, he jumped into a boat with his disciples. And halfway across the lake, as the disciples were trying to just contemplate everything that they had seen that day, a furious storm came up. And this is the famous storm where Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And the, and the storm came up and, and threatened to drown and to kill everybody because it was so strong. And the disciples went to Jesus and they said, wake up, don't you care that we're gonna die? And Jesus gets up and says, you have little faith. He rebukes the wind and rebukes the waves. And the sea was calm and there was no more wind. And the disciples were like, who is this guy? Everything that he's done and all of a sudden the wind and the waves obey him. I think Jesus went back down to catch a little bit more sleep. And the disciples, the Bible says, were scared. They were terrified. Who is this man? But I wonder if they're a little bit more terrified as they approach the shore to the other side of the lake. Where the tombs were or should I say the graveyard was, or should I say the demonic graveyard? 
Can you imagine being an 18-year-old disciple of Jesus pulling up in the middle of the night to a demonic graveyard, and then all of a sudden, as they're approaching the shore, there is the demon-possessed man running out from the tombs towards your boat, screaming at the top of his lungs, I don't know about you, but I'd be like, see you, Jesus, Uh uh-uh, be getting back in that boat, taking my oar and rowing back out to sea. I wouldn't be having anything of it. I'm that guy, you can't get me into a horror movie. I just won't go there. I'm not doing that. There is nothing of Jesus in that place, okay? And in that demon tomb graveyard, there was nothing of Jesus in that place until Jesus stepped foot on the land. And he entered that place. And I'm sure the disciples were like, what is he gonna do now? What is gonna happen now? And unfazed, unflinching, Jesus steps out of this boat, looks this man in the eye as he screams out at the top of his lungs, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God, reveals to the world, maybe for the very first time, the true identity of the person of Jesus Christ. They knew who he was. Here's what I believe about Jesus. As the man was in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. You didn't believe that cutting was in the Bible, did you? It is. And Jesus has something to say about it. As this man was crying out in the tombs, I believe that Jesus on the other side of the lake heard from the father, got in the boat, crossed the storm specifically for this man. And as he reached the shore, he was not phased by this demonic man running at him like maybe the disciples were. Instead, he knew his purpose and why he was going. And Jesus entered into that place to set him free. You know, I don't know what sort of sin this man got caught up in. I don't know what sort of agreements that he had made to be possessed by so many demons. All I know about this man is that he was held captive. There was a stronghold. The enemy had a stronghold on this man's life. And he was thrust into isolation, making him believe that evil things are good, driving him to self-harm. And he had no hope. This man needed freedom. But sometimes freedom is a hard concept to understand because sin masquerades as a false freedom. I'm going to say that again. Sin masquerades as a false freedom. It's preaching the opposite message. And you know it all too well, and I know it all too well, because we fight this same sin nature. The message that sin preaches is this, following Jesus means that I will become enslaved to religion. And the natural self inside of us screams out, no, I don't want anything to do with that because I want to do whatever I want whenever I want to do it. That's what sin tells us. You know what the beautiful thing about Jesus and the message of Jesus is? He looks directly in our eyes and he says, you're absolutely right. True freedom is to do whatever you want 
whenever you want to do it. The beautiful thing about Jesus is he says, I'm just here to change your desires. I'm here to help you see the world the way I see the world. I'm here to help you love people the way I love people. And so by default, when you do whatever you want to do, you're following my will because you have my heart. St. Augustine was quoted as saying, love God, then live as you please. It's beautiful. It's simplistic. It's easy, yet it's so difficult. The Bible says the people came to the area and when they saw the man, they saw him sitting and seated there, dressed and in his right mind. You know, that right there is the concept of repentance. Did you know that the word repentance literally means to think in a new way? The problem with our culture is that affluence and self-worth, you know, that's our God. Our enemy keeps feeding us enough money, enough position, enough influence to get us sick and to keep us coming back for more. Our culture is trying to find freedom from pleasure, more vacations, the pursuit of wealth. Let me tell you this, freedom can only be found when the Spirit of God does a work inside of you. So let me tell you this this morning, if you're feeling like the Spirit of God might be speaking to your heart this morning, let me urge you and beg you actually to listen because he might want to help you change your mind. He might want to help you find freedom today from the bondage that you're in. We can't do it ourselves. It doesn't make sense when we put Jesus on the throne of our life and say, it's not about me, Jesus. It's all about you. And you see God do his work, the work of the kingdom. Let me, believe, let me tell you what I believe this morning. Freed people, free people. We saw it in this situation here, in this passage of scripture. It says, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And the people were amazed. When God is so generous to you, when he has changed your way of thinking, you start to see him as glorious and it's not about you anymore. And you can't help but realizing I'm free. There's people out there that need to be free. And he goes and he tells them, freed people, free people. Let me tell you this, brother in Christ. Let me tell you this, sister in Christ. Free people, free people. thing about the kingdom of God is that what it frees us from is ourselves. We no longer live for our comfort. We're free to love wildly. Our freedom removes the blinders from our eyes and allows us to see the world for what it really is. Captives in need of a savior. 
And that's what we do as a ministry of Southcrest Church. That's what you do as a ministry of Southcrest Church. That's why more and more people are coming to Southcrest and we're growing and expanding is because you are taking the call of Jesus on your life and going and telling and bringing because freed people, free people. And I'm proud of you. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But then it says this, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. How often do we find freedom and then yet revert back? Kind of step back in our own ways. Let me tell you this, this man that was freed by Jesus did not have to go back and live in the tombs. They're not his home anymore. He didn't have to go back to that. Why would he return to captivity? Jesus says, I've shown you the way. Follow in the way of freedom. Some of us this morning have experienced the freedom of Christ. You've been baptized. You've, you've proclaimed the, Jesus as the Lord of your life, but yet you're going back and, and believing the kingdom of this world when it says, hey, for you to have true freedom, you've got you've to build up barns for yourself. You've got to build up kingdoms for yourself. And you're like, this is not right. No, it's not right. Don't go back into slavery. Stand firm in the promise that Christ has come to set you free. Jesus represented freedom to this man. Because without Jesus, this man would still be the way he was. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus represents freedom to all that would receive. Those who were witnesses to Jesus' great act of deliverance, they were forced to make a choice. There was no denying the power of God at work. The kingdom of God was centered on one person and it was the person of Jesus. And so when they saw it, they had to make a choice in their mind. And all of us do too. You see, on one side of the lake, Jesus was there and had the full display of the power of the kingdom of God at work. And crowds, they left their families, they left their jobs, they left whatever it was, and they went to go seek out this Jesus because there was something about Jesus that had life. And yet when he gets on the boat and he goes to the other side, and the kingdom of God meets this man, and the power of God is at work, the people also, the crowd also gathers, but in a very different way. They look at this man that was set free, and they look at their herd of pigs that was ruined, and they said, you've got to go. Please, Jesus, leave us. Jesus didn't argue with them. He didn't plead with them. He didn't try to convince them why they needed him there. He stepped foot back on the boat. And that town and that region did not get to experience the full power of the presence of God in their area. Imagine what could have happened if those people accepted Jesus for who he was, if accepted the kingdom of God for what it was. Instead of saying, oh man, you're threatening our livelihood. You're threatening the life that we're building for ourselves. We choose the pigs instead the creator of the pigs. 
And so they sent him away. As I was thinking about this past week, I I was thinking, what side of the lake do we live on? Are we the type of people that leave whatever it is to go meet Jesus wherever he is, to experience all that he is, whatever it is and whatever it costs us, to see the power of God at work in our life? Or, Or are we the people that want just enough Jesus to be okay as long as it doesn't ruin us? And what we've built for ourselves. Because when it starts to step on our toes a little bit too much, we're like, Jesus, we've had enough. You can go back across the lake. I wonder which crowd we are this morning. I wonder what our community would look like if we started operating in the freedom that we have in Christ. If we started taking the kingdom of God as truth, live in that freedom, because freed people free people, what if we started operating in that freedom? What would our community look like? Imagine with me right now. What if all of us right now started living as sold out people that were free in the name of Jesus? What would your workplace look like? What would our schools look like, students? What would our world look like? How would your family look? What about your marriage? I'll be honest with you. I've, that's one thing the Lord was teaching me even as I was writing this marriage, that in the midst of this, that freed people don't worry about the pursuit of their own glory. And in my relationship with my wife, I had to say, God, I love you and I'm free because you have forgiven me much and, and I don't have to win because it's not about me. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, you're free. You're free. In whatever context that is to you, you can be free when you experience Jesus for who he is. I'm speaking to this room Because I believe there's two types of people here. Two types of people. One type of person, you desperately realize that you need the freedom that only Jesus offers. You know you do. You're tired of hurting. You're tired of struggling. And you're just looking for one last answer. Maybe this is your last chance at church. Maybe this is your last chance at God. Maybe you're coming in here this morning saying, God, I'm gonna give you one more shot. If that's you this morning, I'm gonna plead with you from the bottom of my heart. He can set you free. It's nothing that any of our leadership can do. It's not well-crafted words. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, can he set you free. I beg with you, receive him today that you could find freedom. There's another crowd in here today that, that I believe, man, you're just kind of struggling because you're like, you know, I, I do need some freedom in my life. I've just been fighting this battle of just accepting Jesus just enough 
to feel good about myself, but man, I'm just living for the world. Everything's about me, and I know it. Gosh, it's hard not to be like that. I struggle with that. Today, my prayer is that as you walk out this door, that you might have this conviction on your heart that you can say, Jesus, I give it all to you because that's what it means to be a Christ follower, right? Galatians 2.20 says you've been crucified with Christ. You no longer live, but Christ lives in you. It's not about you anymore. But man, we live for ourselves, don't we? Let me tell you, friends, if you send away Jesus this morning, you may still have your pigs, but you will also have your demon graveyards. My prayer is that you would have the heart of the disciples when Jesus asked them, you do not want me to leave too, do you? And they answered him and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. Remember, you can find more sermons just like this one on our website at southcrest.church. If you have any questions about our church, email us at hello at southcrest.tv. We'll see you next time.